Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Ray Cleveland. And I'm your host, Victoria Routine. How you doing, Victoria? You've had a good week so far? You know, we're making it one step at a time. It's getting closer to the end of summer. Time marches on. For our first segment... Way back in 2015, when I was still actively watching professional wrestling at least once a week, one of the things I remember most clearly is seeing Stephen Amell, then known for his role as Oliver Queen in CW's Arrowverse, which is, I guess now it's a Flashverse, I don't know, stepped into the square circle of professional wrestling. At first, he had a program against Cody Rhodes, formerly known as Stardust, and it went pretty well. They clearly saw they had something good going on because when Cody left WWE to first go independent and then co-found his own successful wrestling company in AEW, Amel was always close behind, ready to make a cameo or even hold a match here and there. He's done a pretty good succession so far. Well, it looks like all of that wrestling fandom of his and his lifelong appreciation of the profession is coming to fruition in a very exciting way. A couple weeks ago, I didn't get to talk about it on this show, but I made sure I put a pin in it for later, a trailer was dropped for an upcoming star series called Heels, as in the villains in professional wrestling, which features Amel as one of two brothers who run a local wrestling promotion and are rivals both in and outside of the wrestling ring to follow in the legacy of their late father. With the success of wrestling shows like Glow, the anticipation of the forthcoming scripted series, The United States of America vs. Vince McMahon, and the general support of professionals going every day worldwide, I'm hoping this series has what it takes to be around for a while because I like any more wrestling content because I found that I, while over the years, I'm not as much of a fan or have the commitment to be a fan of watching wrestling week to week. I still appreciate wrestling culture and wrestling stories being along those lines. And a scripted series like this seems to be right up my alley. But we will have to wait until August 15th to find out when it does come out on Stars. Oh, I have a very complicated relationship with wrestling. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so... Let's look at those other two shows, actually, and and, the, and that maybe is the best way to explain how I feel about relation about wrestling. So we have on the one hand Glow, which takes a, a fairly kind of unique look at a side of wrestling that we don't often get to see. It's kind of the female perspective. It talks about or or talks might be a little bit strong, but it definitely broaches issues like trans rights and um, just LGBT rights in general, uh, the rights of women in the ring and, and things like that, which I think that wrestling absolutely, like real life wrestling has had to deal with and is still dealing with. And, and we see that with kind of the switch that they just made from having a divas division to no, you're just superstars and and we're not going to kind of gender in that way and, and so I think that wrestling has done some really great things in that way. And then we have the United States of America versus Vince McMahon, which is like Ooh. the complete opposite, right? Like, look at me I'm such a victim with all of my money and all of the terrible things that I do all of the time, but America's against me even though they give me so much money every single week on what, like three different pay-per-view shows per week, which I guess is, is kind of the inherent thing about wrestling in general, is that you have a face and a heel, right? 
and I feel like that is kind of the crux of my general issue with wrestling is that the heel part of it, the the bad part of wrestling, the toxic, problematic part of wrestling generally gets more publicity and is more celebrated in a way. And I think that that makes it hard to appreciate and celebrate the good things about wrestling. I'm always for uplifting good things. And so hopefully this will be able to be a way to uplift the good things. Because I think it's incredibly difficult to be an elite athlete, which wrestlers are, and we forget sometimes. And I think it's incredibly difficult to have that level of celebrity, especially when for all intents and purposes, you're acting all the time. And so you kind of have to live this double life all day, every day. It's not like in a movie, you get to take on the role and then you leave it at the end of the movie. This is your role all the time. And I think we forget that sometimes. So having to do both is really difficult. And I think that highlighting that would be great and and maybe mean that we can support some of the awesome people in the WE a little bit better. Those are all valid points. And I think when you say you have a complicated relationship with wrestling, that's the case for most people who are fans of wrestling that have been for a while because be a, watch wrestling for just a year and you're going to see everything from good, bad, and ugly just within that time frame, especially when we're talking about a large man corporation like WWE that has all of these very concerning history, historical moments and relationships, things along those lines. Like just a couple of months ago, you were seeing the headlines about another crop of people getting fired from the company for a number of reasons and stuff. But then lo and behold, two weeks ago, we had Money in the Bank, which is actually what got me re-engaged and I started to watch Raw again because I got to see like a lot of things that I wanted to happen when I was watching on a regular basis finally happened with like having more like having more black professional wrestlers being top and holding titles with Roman Reigns is finally a heel, which I'm like, finally, it took you long enough to do that John Cena came back and everyone loves him like all that stuff is really cool and I do think that wrestling has the potential to showcase all of these good things and make sure that everyone does feel seen like you talked to earlier WWE has taken steps in the right direction in some instances when it comes to representation especially when it comes to their female superstars and how they represent opportunities that they get as well but there are also a lot of bad things it actually reminds me of a tweet I saw earlier this week and forgiveness for whoever out there tweeted because I forgot who it was I think they were saying something along the lines of, I used to wonder how bad Vince McMahon was as a person, but then I remembered that one week he did a bit where he pretended that he died, and with all the memorial services they wore for a wrestler who actually died, and they had to stop it halfway through because the unfortunate, horrible Chris Benoit situation happened, and that just was a normal thing for them, right? So that's like part of that complicated history of WWE and professional wrestling as a whole and all that. Now, when it comes to my current appreciation of professional wrestling, it's more has to do with, like I said earlier, with the culture and the background of it and everything. Like, I love listening to podcasts and hearing all these road stories and just, like, things that happen behind the scenes, behind the curtain, or if you will, about, like, who had relationships with who as far as, like, friendships and rivalries. And, like, it gives more content to the stories. Because when I explain to people that wrestling is something I still watch passively, it's, like, it's basically just, like, a physical soap opera that combines everything from athleticism to acting to just, like, public support and all these things and it's really impressive for that so my hope is that heels this show can be one of those things that continues to break into the mainstream even more and kind of puts like more of like a realistic human approach to what goes into professional wrestling that people can appreciate from behind the scenes can you imagine 
aliens trying to categorize our TV and being like, okay, this general topic of soap operas, we've got K-dramas, we've got telenovelas, we've got WWE, (laughs) (laughs) and it's so perfect and true. So I think that brings me to my first segment, which is also complicated. So I'm going to start, actually, just by dropping some names. So here's the cast. Not the entire cast, just some of the cast. Viola Davis, Lily Rabe, Gillian Anderson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Kiefer Sutherland, Aaron Eckhart, O.T. Fagbenle, and Dakota Fanning. What do you think's happening, Keith? I could not even begin to guess what that is. Like, a lot of these names don't belong together. <laughs> and they're just such big names, right? Like, okay, let me see. Okay, let me really try. So if I were to guess this, because the first Lady Anthology series. Oh, see, you gave it away. Yeah, I haven't. This is this is a new first lady thing. So we've got politics, right? But I'm just so, like... The fact that they got all of these big names in an anthology series makes me want to care about this thing that on the surface I don't care about because politics is bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good summarizing statement. Politics is bad. You might as well take the is out and put an equal sign there, actually. Right? Yeah, so this is one of those things. I had a lot of things uh, in in the Dropbox this week that I was like, the first part of this headline makes me really happy, and the second part just makes me so sad. And that is how I felt about this. Just all of these names together sounds amazing. I think, obviously, the, the acting is going to be amazing in this. Um... I'm not sure I particularly care about knowing more things about our presidents, but, you know, history is. So if it's going to be true to history, I like that. Um, This is an anthology series. As star-studded as the cast is, the -the behind-the-scenes teams, the writers, the producers, the executive producers, all of those that's pretty star-studded as well. So I think the quality of this is going to be really great. Uh, The first season, which doesn't have a release date yet, uh, but the first season is going to focus on three, uh, I guess, presidential partnerships, right? So we've got Eleanor um, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We've got Betty and Gerald Ford. And then we've got Michelle and Barack Obama. Uh, I think they were trying to do a thing there by putting Obama with FDR and trying to be like, well, where can we put him that's not just with a bunch of racist folks? We'll see how it works. Right? When you're looking at our list of presidents, it's a little difficult. Uh, But... We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm interested to see the stories they tell, if they're going to tell kind of the ones that we've all heard before, or if they're going to try and dive a little bit deeper. Uh, one thing that we do know is that Lily Rabe actually is set to star as journalist Lorena Hickok, who actually did not know this, was great friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, 
to the point that when they found their letter correspondence, people started to wonder if they, like, had a secret relationship. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Which is, like, a whole thing in itself. I really want them to just lean hard into that, but we'll see. Anyway, this is from Showtime and Lionsgate. Sometime in the general future, uh, I have, in fact, so I've told you who Lily Rabe is. Everyone else is one of the six presidents or presidential partners. Do you want to take a guess at who is who? All right. So, I mean, I already know who Viola Davis is. Right. Um, I'm going to guess Kiefer Sutherland is Gerald Ford. No. I have a different person in my mind than who I think Gerald Ford is. So he's going to be FDR? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that means that Aaron Eckhart must be playing Gerald Ford. Then. Yes. Okay, so I got those out of the way. Okay, O.T. Fagnale, how you say his name? He's Barack Obama. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. And who we have left? Our proclamation, Gillian Anderson, is going to be Eleanor. Yeah. Yep, Eleanor okay, Roosevelt. <laughs> okay, so you're right, though. Like, this lineup is, like, very good. And fortunately, because yeah. the way history works, there won't be much crossover with these people. But, like, it's still going to be fun to see them do their thing and all that. And as much as I second the statement, politics equals bad. I can't help but look away at it because it's kind of finding kind of fascinating. But even more so, I'm a big fan of history. Like, so I think this is going to definitely nurture that part of my sensibilities very well. So I'm going to keep an eye out for this. Oh, so much content. <laughs> so much content. Enough that we should probably take a break and then come back with our big ticket. All right, our last segment for today, folks. It was announced this week that Jodie Whittaker's time as the 13th Doctor in Doctor Who will be coming to a close in 2022. After releasing one more six-episode season or series later this year and three specials in 2022 culminating in a feature-length finale, Whittaker will be stepping away from the role forever. Or hopefully not forever, but hopefully like long-term. In part of a statement that's worth reading in full, but I won't, you can go do that, Whitaker went on to say, quote, So here we are, weeks away from wrapping on the best job I've ever had. I don't think I'll ever be able to express what this role has given me. I will carry the doctor and the lessons I've learned forever. End quote. Whitaker famously took on this role as 13th Doctor, a time and space-traveling alien with two hearts, and was the first woman to do so in 2017. She added her own mark to the legacy of the iconic series and character, and now we get to see her swan song carry on for the next year and a half. Whitaker is also leaving at the exact same time as Chris Chimble, who took over as showrunner after Stephen Moffat left the series. Apparently, Whitaker and Chimble established a three-series-and-out, quote-unquote, pact way back when they first signed on, so this is just a culmination of that. Plus, to be honest, post-Tenant, three-ish seasons seems to be kind of part of the course for actors who play in the role anyway, so this is kind of like coming. We saw this a while away. And of course, the speculation will surely begin on who the next Doctor will be and won't stop until the moment we all find out probably a year or so from now. Victoria, you have any thoughts? I am behind on the Doctor. Uh, I think I've gotten through Whitaker's first season. Um, and that's... So I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, I think, at least for me, one of the issues with getting caught up with the Doctor is that I love them so much that whenever I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get caught up, I start at the beginning of Eccleston. 
which is an endeavor, right? Because then you have so much to get through. It is, Uh, but I respect your commitment. (laughs) So, but yeah, I, I love the doctor. I think that you are right in that this was pretty easy to foresee uh, just because um, that kind of three seasons and out is is pretty common after Tenet. Uh, Tenet. Um, I think there is a conversation to be had about how women are written in Doctor Who especially by different showrunners. There's a debate to be had about kind of the same way that we have the debate about Janeway as a a captain in Star Trek versus the male captains, right? I think that there's a debate to be had about how Whitaker was written as the doctor versus male doctors. But Regardless of the writing, I think that Jodie Whittaker did an amazing job as the Doctor and really left her mark on the role, which is all you can really hope for, right? Even even Eccleston, who's only there for one season, like just left such an indelible mark on the role. And so I think that Jodie Whittaker should be absolutely incredibly proud of the work that she's done in this role. I'm excited to see who it takes on the mantle next. Did you see the fan cast that was in our Dropbox this week? Because that would be chef's kiss. <laughs> yes, I did see that fan cast, and that would be fantastic. And I have a lot of thoughts here with Doctor Who, because that is one of my, like, fandoms that I'm deep in but don't get to talk about very often for some reason because I don't come <laughs> across people too often that are also Whovians but like this is my platform we can go ahead and do this real quick we can talk Doctor Who whenever you want Keith thank you Victoria that means a lot to me I'll surely be messaging my own fan casting throughout the next okay, year as okay. different people come to mind um, okay, so okay. to take it from the top I totally agree that Jodie Whittaker left a wonderful legacy in her time, tenure as Doctor Who or as the Doctor I should say more correctly and I think that she been like every doctor and i'm also talking like post eccleston because i haven't gone back to the old ones yet my grandmother watched all of those and knows the entire storyline and everything i'm not that deep yet that's a future journey for another day and everything but coming from eccleston and whitaker like every single doctor has brought their own mark on the legacy and everything and of course just so you know start thinking now i'm going to ask you to rank your doctors like after i'm done here but um okay when it comes to whitaker and everything i think i also find it interesting that whip the with the first with the last four doctors, the one common thread through all of that, I believe, was Stephen Moffat. And like you can tell that when Whitaker came on, and not even because of her, when Chip, well, the new showrunner came on, Chris Jimble, the show's tone changed a bit, where it went from being like a wibbly wobbly, timey wimey space show mostly to being like a surprising amount of like historical context. Which again, as a history nerd, I love. But I think that was something that caught a lot of people off guard when the show first started. Then eventually found its footing, and they were good to go, and it was wonderful. Um, another missed opportunity I think we had too is that with Jody being our first female doctor, I think that we missed the opportunity to like have Bill stay over as a carry on for like a possible love interest there because that would have been like a step further. In Don't the for get the show. me started with Bill. I mean, I was waiting for that to happen, and it didn't happen. And next thing you know, like spoilers, Bill wasn't there no more for whatever reason. I'm like, what? What? But you have like you have a lesbian companion. 
right before you have a female doctor. Like, there should have been at least some crossover there. I'm just saying. And, but after that, I think overall this is a very good show and everything. I'm curious to see who the next showrunner is going to be, just as much as I'm curious to see who the next Doctor is going to be, because that's going to say a lot about how this show goes. But also, it's going to go wonderfully, because Doctor Who's been going for like 50 years now, and it's still going strong, so it's all good. But with that, you've had some time to think, and I'll stall for a little bit. Victoria, who are your favorite Doctors in order? Okay, so first off, I just want to say, yes, Moffat is definitely huge. But don't forget Russell T. Davies, who brought us back the Doctor from its hiatus. So Russell T. Davies as a showrunner, just huge. I think Moffat took it into a a deeper, kind of darker direction. I definitely... So for a while, Moffat was running both Doctor Who and Sherlock and one other one that I can't think of right now. And so there was this meme going around that was like, it was Moffat's coffee mug that was just like the tears of his fans. <laughs> because oh. all of the shows he was running were just like tearing people up inside. Um, but yeah, Russell T. Davies, amazing. Um, okay, so if we start from Eccleston, from the 10th Doctor, right? Then we have Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, Capaldi, Whitaker, and the War Doctor. Uh, um, yeah, the War Doctor. Yeah. So, that's rough. Can I skip them all and just pick Captain Jack? Is that an option? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think... I think that... Tennant and Eccleston, to me, kind of embody the doctor the most. Uh, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more Eccleston because I think that most people's choice is Tenet, but I think part of that is just because we didn't get Eccleston for as long. Had we gotten a few more seasons, I think that that they would go back and forth. Personally, I resonate a lot with Capaldi's doctor, that kind of like worn, ragged, world, in this case... <laughs> universe tired just i why am why am i here like i need to i need to refine my purpose kind of doctor uh so yeah smith is is, is there and and i haven't finished whitaker enough to be able to say where whitaker is and i feel like the war doctor both in universe and in reality at least for me kind of inhabits this like little pocket dimension that's just like you're there i see you we couldn't have gotten here without you you just show up every once in a while so but yeah i think for i think for me capaldi but just in general doctorness it's got to be tenant Nah, I get that. And also, bring up the War Doctor. When I said Joe was the 13th Doctor, like, I wanted to pause and, like, do the long speak and, like, the asterisk and everything. But I'm like, no, she's 13, it's 13, it's whatever. She's but, 14. Uh, hmm? She's 14. I thought the new one was going to be 14. Like, okay, so I'm, this is... We've got Eccleston is... No, because Tenet is 10. Eccleston is 9 and Eccleston is, is 9. That's right. All right. I'm with right, you. But I'm I think, with you. I'm with but you. I think, but I think technically the war doctor is somewhere in between, so she should be jump or whatever, but like we're not 
we, he's like an yeah. actress so like that's yeah, like yeah. early when I said she was 13 I was gonna do that long for you but like we got there so I'm glad people there, know the way like it's not fake hoovies <laughs> and all that but when it comes to the ranking and everything so mine are different than yours and it's interesting to see okay, this breakdown okay. so of course number one is Tenet like I love him dearly like <laughs> he did he did it for like 10 seasons not really but it felt like it and everything he in my mind is who the doctor is um number two for me is Matt Smith because he had one of the hardest jobs in the world and the biggest shoes in the world to fill after coming after David I Tennant. got you. And like, yeah, yeah. I was convinced, like, there's no way in the world I'm going to like this next person. And I loved him. He was, like, very nice and delightful, and I enjoyed that. Um, and also, you'll see a very common, like, very linear path in, like, my ranking of doctors and due to one trait that I'll break down <laughs> at the end. So in okay. third for me, actually, it's Jodie Whittaker. Because I've seen two seasons of the show. I've been caught up on her, actually. And she just makes me feel really happy when I watch the show, even in the most chaotic situations. I feel like, oh, doctor's here. Everything's going to be okay and stuff. And that's what I look for in my heroes in general, but especially in my doctors of like, hey, the world is literally on the verge of ending, but you're here, so I know things are going to be at least somewhat okay, right? After that, we have Eccleston, who part of it is because, like you said, we didn't have, we only had it for literally one season. He brought the show back, though. We In his series, we got Rose, and I got introduced to the entire world and everything. It was great, but he seemed kind of angry. And for that exact same reason, my last doctor in the list of everything, and by the, by the way, disclaimer, I appreciate all of them, is Capaldi. Because Capaldi was understandably, as you said, the war-torn, like, universe-tired, like, begrudgingly angry doctor, for lack of better words. I don't like my doctors angry. I like them to be a little lighthearted in the face of chaos and danger and everything. Like, I feel like if I was a companion to Peter Capaldi, I would just, like, have low self-esteem all the time because he's just being mean and angry all the time and stuff like that. And that's not what I want. But that is my ranking of the doctors post-Eccleston up to now. Yeah, yeah. I know technically not a doctor, but I, I always feel like in conversations about the doctor, I have to bring up Michelle Gomez as the master because her turn as the master who is both the enemy the best friend the ultimate companion and like well if you're going to be down and out for the count i guess maybe for this episode i have to be the doctor begrudgingly but you need to get better so that i can like you know go back to what i truly want to do like michelle gomez as the master just Amazing. Amazing. Chef's kiss and everything. Like, she obliterated that role. Like, it was fantastic. I love Missy so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just looked it up. She only showed up 15 times. It feels like much more than that. Like, give her a spinoff. It does. It really does. But, okay. We have to... We should probably... You know, we have our list of spinoff podcasts that we need. You know, like, one shots. (laughs) And this is definitely one of them. But I, we definitely need to wrap up because Jordan's going to be like, y'all talk too much. Uh, so I'm going to finish with our lightning round. We couldn't get through everything this week. We never can. So here are a few more tidbits of what went on this week in the Nerdosphere. So all the horror. You know I'm not a horror person, but I know a lot of you are horror people, and so I just kind of wanted to do a rundown. We've got a new Exorcist series series being kind of worked on. We've got the American Horror Stories double feature that just dropped. Shudder, which is like the Netflix of horror, is doing a horror noir like kind of showcase, and just so much more. So if you are into horror 
please look up the horror news this week. It is just overflowing. Um, like, elevator full of fake blood overflowing this week. Uh, in kind of nostalgic news, Arthur, our favorite aardvark. That was a really weird segue. Sorry, not at all horror related. <laughs> but if you grew up watching <laughs> Arthur the aardvark, unfortunately... We have learned that Arthur is no longer in production. However, we are getting some slight rumors about maybe other projects in the Arthurverse, so maybe we will get some of that. We also have a new scripted podcast out from DC uh, that is Batman Unburied. It will be on Spotify. And the casting, again, more Chef's Kiss. So Winston Duke will be voicing Batman, and Jason Isaacs will be voicing Alfred, which that combination just makes me really, really happy. And I would take that live-action Batman. 100% I would take that live-action Batman. So we'll see where that goes. And then in something that is dear to my heart, we have a new show on Netflix called El Rawabi School for Girls. It is an Arabic-language high school drama out of Jordan, kind of that age-old girl is fine, then mean girls come, girl is no longer fine, must avenge herself on mean girls. Definitely getting strong, like, CW teen show vibes, but I'm still gonna watch it because I am here for most of Netflix's uh, non-English content. So those are some other things that are going on out there this week. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at LockNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. I'm your host, Victoria Vertine. And I'm your host, Keith Ree Cleveland. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a good one, folks. See ya.